What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Hello, everybody. My name is Ray. Welcome to the Evangelical Dark Web. Today, we're going to be discussing Russell Moore condemning Uganda for enacting anti-sodomy laws, some of the toughest anti-sodomy laws in the world. And Russell Moore is merely following in the footsteps of his predecessor from the ERLC days. And that is Russ, uh, Richard Land, who condemned Uganda in 2014. It's nine years later, and Russell Moore is following in Richard Land's footsteps and he's also condemning Uganda. He's also supporting the right to have butt sex, which is not an inalienable right. But nonetheless, Russell Moore is making that argument that butt sex is an inalienable right. So we got a lot to unpack here with the Russell Moore art article. But there's a couple main points that I want to just lay out. Three main critiques of Russell Moore's article. One, he doesn't know church or Christian history at all. Pretty much all of his history is post-1960 uh, in its conception of America tackling, or Christians tackling the issue of anti-sodomy laws. So his conception of Christians wrestling with this issue is completely post-World War II. It ignores English common law. Secondly, he's conflating law and gospel. He's conflating church with the state, ecclesiastical governance with civil governance. He's conflating all these categories. And then lastly, again, he thinks that butt sex is an inalienable right. It's not. So that's what we're going to be discussing in today's video. But first, I want to let you know Evangelical Dark Web is a Christian news gathering and commentary ministry. You can support us over at evangelicaldarkweb.org slash join and that's our patreon like system and you can and we don't use patreon because patreon censors content exactly like this so we built our own and we're fighting big tech censorship as you may be aware i am recording this in youtube jail uh and we got to be prepared for alternative infrastructures and ecosystems apart from big tech so that's what we're going to do uh, as much as we can and don't forget to sign up for the free evangelical dark web newsletter that gets you christian news in your inbox bypassing big tech censorship each and every day and of course like this video subscribe to the channel and podcast if you're new those really help with the magical algorithms so russell moore wrote this article titled don't pretend the ugandan law homosexuality law is christian not everything that is a sin is a crime let alone one punishable by death. And again, just looking at this, you know, first of all, it's wrong because the Christians in Uganda are vehemently for this law. This is the Christian, this is the fruit of Christian nationalism in Uganda. And if you look at how this issue is framed, it is framed as both Christian and nationalist because this is Uganda enacting a Christian law. This is a biblical law. It is reflecting Old Testament law, moral law of the Old Testament, not the ceremonial law or anything like the stuff that doesn't apply today. It applies the laws that apply today. And 
It's also a nationalist policy because this is a rejection and a repudiation of global homosexuality. So it's a rejection of the global homo movement. So not everything as a sin is a crime. Well, we can just say, hey, the Bible does actually prescribe homosexuality as a crime. And perhaps one of the things I should do is a, uh, you know, gay moments in Christian history segment where we talk about the all the times that the Bible addresses homosexuality, which is more than the supposedly only six clobber verses, as they like to call them. So there's a lot more instances of the Bible addressing homosexuality, specifically in the Old Testament. But I digress. So Russell Moore begins the article by talking about the Ted Cruz thing. And we talked about Ted Cruz um, earlier this week. Uh, we also talked about uh, Target and Chick-fil-A earlier this week on EvangelicalDarkWeb.org. I didn't do videos on those. But we covered that, which is why you got to sign up for the newsletter. So we're going to skip those parts of the article. Uh, sometimes... Though, their kind of trolling can lead to two catastrophic ends. So he's talking about the backlash that Ted Cruz has received. And we, the Christian nationalists, giving that backlash. That should concern those of us who follow Christ. The unjust killing of human beings made in the image of God, and at the same time, the bearing of false witness about what the Christian gospel actually is. See, you already see the hints of the conflating law and gospel. And then you also see... Um, the hints of what is unjust versus just. One of my critiques of this article was reading Romans uh, 130, uh, 131, I think, where it talks about the, uh, for they know that those who practice such things are deserving of death, but not only do they do them, but they give hearty approval to those who do. Um, so that verse, uh, so uh just so we're clear, that verse is uh, Romans one thirty two, not Romans one thirty one. So then he goes on to say, at issue is a harsh new law signed by the Uganda's president, Yoweri Museveni, that would not only allow outlaw homosexuality, but mandate conversion ther- therapy type rehabilitation for gay people who are arrested and require a kind of surveillance culture in which gay citizens or in which citizens are criminally liable for not turning in people that they know to be gay. But most chilling of all, the law would impose death penalty on categories deemed to be aggravated homosexuality, which aggravated homosexuality refers to rape. It refers to things that would be categorized as first or second degree rape in the United States. It would also be used to categorize things like statutory rape, and it also argues and repeat offense. So, first of all, you know, Russell Moore's already giving up the conversion therapy debate, which is a hill that Christians should have never fallen back from because conversion therapy isn't dangerous whatsoever. That's a lie spun up by the media, and even uh, the supposed Christian leaders like Mark Yarhouse, who said that conversion therapy is bad, concluded that it wasn't harmful. So, go figure. But this is Russell Moore arguing that pedophile, gay pedophiles shouldn't be executed because they're gay. Of course, he continues, repressive regimes violate human rights all the time and all around the world 
and there are vast limits on how much other nations can on how much other nations can do about it. But in this case, many are wondering whether the primary problem is that Uganda is taking the Bible out of context. Those sniping at Cruz, especially for his categorization of the Ugandan law as horrific and wrong, argue that the senator's issues is really with God. After all, they say, doesn't the Bible dictate that if a man has sexual relations with a man as one does with a woman, both of them have done what is detestable and are to be put to death, Leviticus 2013. So again, Ted Cruz, to address that issue, and I addressed this in the last video on Uganda, Ted Cruz called it an abomination. He used that word on purpose because Ted Cruz is very aware that Leviticus 18 calls homosexuality an abomination. He's very aware of that. His word choice was intentional there. So his issue is with God. I am in, and here's Russell Moore again. I am an evangelical Christian. No, he's not. Uh, Committed to the verbal inspiration of the Bible. No, he's not. Meaning I believe that every word of the Bible or every word of it is exactly what God intended it to be by the power of the spirit. No, he doesn't. I am also committed to the inerrancy of scriptures uh, that the word speaks, uh, word of God speaks truthfully. Let's just skip his uh, platitudes. I'm also a Christian who agrees with the teachings of both scripture and the church, Orthodox, Catholic, and Protestant for 2000 years that marriage is a one flesh covenant between man and a woman and that sexual expression outside of that covenant is wrong. And yet my repulsion at the Ugandan state violence in this law is not despite those commitments, but precisely because of them. Again, this is the part where we got to talk about how Russell Moore doesn't realize that Christianity has always advocated sodomy laws. We've always advocated outlawing homosexuality. That's always been a Christian platform item of government. Going back to English common law. Going back to, you, you look at the Eastern European countries banning this. They're doing so under a Christian pretense. And now we got... African nations taking stronger stances against homosexuality. Why? Christian pretense. So Christians have always advocated this. This is not a new development in Christian uh, nationalism. Because, again, Christian nationalism is just a fancy name for what Protestants have long believed about uh, the civil magistrate. And this type of behavior has always been criminal. Again, the last sodomy laws were erased by the Supreme Court in 2003, the Lawrence v. Texas case, which was wrongly ruled by the Supreme Court and gave way to much of the slippery slope that we see in this country today. One does not honor the authority of Scripture, Moore continues, if one obscures its meaning Leviticus 20 explicitly condemns almost all forms of sexual immorality, premarital sex, extramarital sex, and nearly every other kind of non-marital sexual expression. Sexual sins are included alongside occultic practices, necromancy, and cursing of one's mother and father. Now, we've got to remember that in the biblical times, male prostitutes, which were gay, 
because women don't really have to pay for sex. Um, male prostitutes were inherently tied to false religions. So that's why those two items would be linked. Of course, this is consistent with the rest of the Bible's wit biblical witness, whatever one thinks of its authorities, yet penalties of death that come with those violations are situated in a very specific context in redemptive history. God revealed that, theocratic, that the theocratic civil code, as well as its punishments, was for a purpose to separate people from the rest of the nations to prepare them to enter the inheritance of the land. Yes. But again, Christian... And here's where we go into a straw man territory to cite such passages of the Old Testament as civil laws as a mandate for civil state outside that covenant is a misinterpretation that doesn't fit with any historic apostolic teachings of Christianity. In fact, it is in line with those who would argue against any ethical content of Christian of the Christian faith by saying, yeah, well, if the Bible's true, we shouldn't eat shellfish shellfish either. Now, again, the, Jesus makes all animals clean. This is explained in the book of Mark, or Gospel of Mark, uh, chapter 8, I believe. I just read this chapter. Um, but anyway, uh, Russell Moore's argument here is pathetic because the law of Uganda isn't the same exact law that's in the Bible. So he's trying to say that they're copying the Old Testament, which... They're taking inspiration from it, sure, but it's not the same exact law. They created a law for their context. Their civil magistrates created a law for their context. God created, you know, in the Old Testament, the law for the, the context of the Israelis, the Israeli, Israelites, not Israelis, the Israelites. He created a, a law for the context of the ancient Israelites, the Ugandan Christian nationalists created a law for the context of modern Uganda. Does the law bear similarity? Yes. Because God's law is constant. God's morality doesn't change. So civil law will uh, reflect God's morality in different ways, specifically to address different issues in different historical periods. Jesus already wiped away the shellfish issue and the pork issue. The moment one hears this, one knows that the, one knows that the, the arguer isn't, is either, either isn't aware of old Testament, new covenant distinctions in the ceremonial and food laws, which is a major emphasis in the New Testament, or isn't arguing in good faith. The same applies to someone who'd say, well, the church in the book of Acts shared possessions in common to argue for basically socialism. That's just, it, it's a, again, this is a pathetic argument. So this is where he argues in the New Testament context, which doesn't start from a Romans 13 understanding of government. It starts with Acts 15 on the Council of Jerusalem. So, in the New Testament church, Moore begins this section by saying, The apostles resolved the question of law in the council of, at Jerusalem. They did not, at the same as some might argue, wipe away the moral content of the Old Testament law. For instance, Christians, whether Jew or Gentile, were still to abstain from sexual immorality. But the New Covenant community was not 
a reconstruction of the Old Testament code of criminal penalties for violations of holiness. In fact, we have an example after example of Jesus and the apostles teaching the exact op- teaching the opposite. I hold as authentic scripture in the passage of John in which Jesus stops the stoning of an adulterous woman. Um, so basically he's saying that John, uh, the last verse of John 7 and John 8, 1 through 11, I believe, are inspired text. I would actually disagree with that because it completely interrupts the flow of the teaching of Jesus in that section and it's not in the original manuscripts. So, you know, that section has an asterisk for a reason. And I'm not surprised that Russell Moore is going to build a theology around a dubious, uh, dubiously inspired scripture. I know some Christians believe that it to be a latter textual addition, but even if that were true, Jesus' posture towards sinners was consistent throughout the Gospels. Yes, very angry with sinners. Very, uh, specifically those who disbelieved Jesus. Uh, you know, the Jews who didn't believe Jesus, you know, Jesus had a very negative posture towards them, actually. Uh, but he took compassion on them as well. But we got to remember the complete picture of Jesus that we see in the New Testament Gospels. So, In the writing to the church in Corinth, the Apostle Paul rebuked an example of sexual immorality explicitly mentioned in the text of Leviticus 20, having sex with the wife of a family member. Paul also quoted, uh, purge the evil person from among you, a text that was used in the Old Testament civil law to denote the death penalty. Yet Paul did not use this language to call for any criminal penalty by the state, and certainly not execution. Instead, he saw the you of the new covenant as applying to the church, not the state, and for as the church is not given to the power of the sword. Again, this is a stupid argument. Because Paul's writing to the church. He's writing to the ecclesiastical authorities who have the keys. They don't have the sword. They have the keys. He's telling them to kick the people having sex with their, you know, dead father's widow to the curb, kick them out of the church that they may repent. That's what he's doing. Paul's not writing to Caesar saying criminalize homosexuality. Paul's not saying that homosexuality shouldn't be criminalized. In fact, in Romans 1, pretty clear that he would he says that homosexuality is worthy of death and that there's a due penalty for the sin of homosexuality. So sodomy has a due penalty and then he later says that it's among other things worthy of death. And then we have Romans 13. The government is to be and you know he cites Romans 13. So uh, Russell Moore citing Romans 13. What is the role of government? It is to reward good. It is to punish evil. Is homosexuality evil or not? If it is evil, then guess what? It is within the power of the sword, vested by God, punishable 
by the civil magistrate. Now, is it practical to punish? Yes. Homosexuality is a practical sin to punish. Can you punish someone for envy? No. Can you punish someone for greed in a way that's not manifested in an actual tangible action? No. Can you punish someone for lust? No. These things aren't prescribed as crimes in the Old Testament for that reason, because they're not practical to punish. God judges our hearts, so he can punish these laws, or he can punish these sins. He can punish these sins with justice, but the civil magistrate can't. But the civil magistrate can punish sins that are manifested. Homosexuality is a sin that is manifested. It can be punished in a practical application by the state. The state not only has the theological grounds to punish homosexuality, according to Romans 13, they all, it is also practical that they do so. To be a terror to evildoers and sodomites. The, the state should be a terror to these people. That's what the Bible says is the purpose of government. Moreover, Paul specifically notes in his letter, I believe he's still referring to Corinthians, that the church does not have judgment over outsiders. The local church should remove sexual, a sexually immoral person if finally unrepentant from membership in their community. This does not mean that they should stop associating with those who do the same thing on the outside. But what if what business is it of mine to judge those outside the church? Are you not to judge those inside. Again, Russell Moore is conflating in-house functions, in-house governance. He's conflating the keys and the sword. Russell Moore's doing those things. The Christian nationalists aren't conflating church governance and state governments governance. Russell Moore is. This is such a pathetic argument by Russell Moore here. And this is, again, how Christianity or Christian nationalism has been strawmanned repeatedly by the Russell Moore types, including those who defended him in 2016, like Owen Strand. Moreover, uh, I want to skip ahead because we've kind of covered how he's conflated church governance with uh civil magistrate governments. He's basically also conflating law and the gospel as well. He's kind of mixing these categories because the idea that we enact biblical law isn't the same thing as the church adding to the gospel. So I think he's making huge leaps and I want to scroll down uh, towards the end. We're going to read the last three paragraphs and then we're going to get on out of here. Misinterpreting this is the equivalent of concluding that one that one should sacrifice a lamb on the church communion table during a sermon series on Leviticus. At this time in history, God has commissioned us not to subdue the world with violence, but to bear witness to one, the one he sent. For God did not send... Okay, so he's... Quoting John 3.17, which is out of place for this article, uh, because again, 
the sword has been given to the civil magistrate. And the sword is going to be wielded. Is the sword going to be wielded to enforce God's law? Or is it going to be wielded to rebel against God's law? There is no middle ground. There is no secular neutrality that doesn't exist. You're going to get either some form of paganism, some false religion governing, or you're going to get God governing. Christianity, a Christian moral legal system, or a pagan moral legal system. You're going to get one of those. Not everything that is a sin is a crime. To equate all sin with crime without the authority to do so is itself a sin against God, to take the name of our Lord God in vain. Again, the Bible prescribes a physical punishment for homosexuality in Leviticus 20. That means it's fair game and that God has allowed and I would argue prescribed criminal act or criminal punishment for the sin of homosexuality. God has prescribed it to be a crime. God has prescribed theft to be a crime. God has prescribed uh, uh, false accusations to be a crime. We don't follow that law in the Bible, and we should. You know, women who falsely accuse men of rape should get, I would actually argue, the death penalty because they have sought to kill, because rapists should get the death penalty also, they have sought to get someone executed for a false crime. So they should get that same crime. They should get that same punishment. That's what the Bible says. We don't follow that law. And we should. Because that's a very biblical law. And that reflects God's moral standard here on earth. So the law has multiple functions. It points us to the gospel by teaching us how we're flawed and need a savior. It promotes good works as well. And, and it also orders a civil society. We need all these things. There's multiple functions of the law. And Russell Moore rejects these functions. You wouldn't make the same argument about theft, which the Bible has very specific prescriptions for, just like it does for homosexuality. And yet he says that following the prescriptions of the Bible is taking the name of the Lord our God in vain. He goes on, if the historic Christian vision of marriage and family is true and good and beautiful, as I believe it is, then we demonstrate our truth, goodness, and our and beauty to our unbelieving neighbors through our witness, not by threatening to kill them. Well, you tried that, Russell Moore. Well, you didn't try that, but a lot of other people tried that, and now we got them trying to trans our kids. Sodomy law is gooder than transing kids, guys. Unleashing the violence of the state, uh, violence of state-ordained execution, imprisonment, and surveillance on gay and lesbian Ugandans is a condemnable act of authoritarianism and a violation of self-evident and unalienable rights to life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. By the way, the Founding Fathers, all 13 colonies, had anti-sodomy laws. Because they had a Christian legal system that was English common law. It's a Christian legal system. 
Russell Moore doesn't know what he's talking about. He's trying to invoke the Declaration of Independence when the colonies, the founders who wrote the Declaration of Independence, had a better understanding of that than you because of the original authorial intent. They understood that sodomy and butt sex isn't a human right. It is not an inalienable right. They understood that. And again, the state has the power of the sword. The sword's a lethal weapon. Uh, He concludes, To do such things is a matter of power, not conviction. It demonstrates a commitment to the Bible's authority. Not a, a commitment to the Bible's authority, but a rejection of it. Call it what you will, but don't for a minute call it Christian. Well, I'm not going to call Christianity today Christian because it's absolutely not Christian. Uh, And I'm a little caught up by the headline below that says, Side B, Christians like me are an asset, not a threat. And it's by Becca Mason, who we've talked about that blue-haired feminist in the past. Um, But anyway... That's a really bad argument by Russell Moore, whose understanding of Christian history on this issue is deliberately uh, bad. It's, he's not doing this by he's not this bad by accident. He's this bad on purpose. Russell Moore's a wolf. He's been an obvious wolf, I would say, since 2009. That's when he wrote that Jesus had AIDS, which I believe was the last time we talked about Russell Moore on this channel. So anyway, Russell Moore's cringe. Uganda forever. And uh, have a blessed day and we will catch you on the next one.